It's time. John Gruden's our guest, head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. JT the Brick, great talking to you. Hope you're well, man. It's time. Well, you know how we want to play, JT. You know me probably better than anybody out there. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We're going to play old school football. JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Can't wait to play in that stadium and get this party started. You got no idea. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you as we begin a Thursday here on Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m. And on that Raiders mobile app, keep spreading the word on that mobile app like we spread the word on PTs as they fuel the monologue with the best happy hour in all of Vegas, 64 locations. They also own the Stratosphere Arizona Charlies. They got us going here every day. Meet me at PTs, 5 to 7, midnight to 2 for the best happy hour in town. And we welcome in a new partner today, Bell Solar. Thrilled about that. We'll be telling you more about Bell Solar as we get going with them over the next year. Excited about Bell Solar jumping on board here every day here as they get us going here on Raider Nation Radio. Right out of the gate, David Irving supposed to join us here in about five minutes. Defensive lineman for the Silver and Black. And he's ready. He's ready to go, Bobby tells me. And we welcome him to the show. David, congratulations on the deal, being back with the Silver and Black. Welcome to Raider Nation Radio. How are you today? Thank you. I'm doing well, and I appreciate it. What a warm welcome. How are you? I couldn't be better. First off, I'm excited. We, being the Raider Nation, only want people here and players who want to be here. You seem to signify that. You love it here. It's a great fit for you. What is your mindset being a Raider, and how much you want to help this defense and team attain their goals? You know, I feel like on other teams, I kind of was, I don't know, I kind of had to change who I was. I couldn't really flourish how I would have wanted to. And, you know, like you said, here's a great fit for me. You know, the coaching staff, I mean, the city, Raider Nation, the fan base, uh, I think this is it for me. You know, I want to retire a Raider. You know, I got Marinelli here. Got Coach Gruden, you know, these guys gave me a chance coming out of retirement when no one else did. And, uh, you know, I built a great relationship with the Raiders staff. I'm, I've always had a great relationship with Marinelli. And now it's just time to finish what we started. You know, it's time for me to come in here and get back in shape. You know, I haven't really done much of anything for, you know, two years, as you guys know. So, you know, I have a good a whole off season now. Uh, time for me to get ready to come in and dominate. You know, by football camp, I should look completely different than I do now. And uh, we're ready to get in here, win some games, you know, get this defense down down packed, and shit, take it to the Super Bowl. All right. I will have fun with oh. you. I've been with the Ra- – that's okay. We're good. I've been with the Raiders over 20 years, and I know the difference between someone and the legends that I've interviewed in the past who really want to be here and have an attitude like that. So let's begin – I want to start off with leaving Dallas, and I saw the athletic column by Vic Tafer, and what is the level of the past and the bitterness with the Cowboys and now coming to the Raiders? Is that something that fuels you going forward, or is that something you're ready to put behind you? Where is that on your radar? Well, the, the Dallas Cowboys have uh, been behind me for some time now. Uh, you know, I've gotten closure with everything that happened, and it is what it is, and uh, with that being said, I'm very excited to play the Dallas Cowboys. You know, we, you know what I'm saying? I, of course, there's all some motivation there. Got some old friends there, old teammates there, uh, old coaches, you know. So 
Yeah, it's always going to be good to play the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, and when you think of the Cowboys in the past and the legends that played, when you think of the Raiders and the great players that played, I'm sure you saw the Al Davis 30 for 30. You see the culture in the building from Oakland now to Las Vegas and Howie Long and the great defensive players that have come before you. Does that mean a lot to you, the history of the organization and the legends and the Hall of Famers? Oh well, of course. I feel like it, it has to. You know what I'm saying? When you get on the, when you get with an organization or a team, and you you're here and you're with the players every day, you are a part of the organization now. Once a Raider, always a Raider. You know, you have to love it. You got to get in there, and you have to feel it. You said you could. You know, you see the tradition. Well, you feel it in the building. It feels good. David Irving joins us of the silver and black. So the ability to come here now, Mike Mayock believes in you, John Gruden believes in you. It seems to be a contract built on incentives where you have a lot to prove. So what type of rotation are you fighting for? How could you stay on the field as much as possible, stay healthy, build up that body again? What are some short-term goals and expectations for you? Well, it starts in the, it starts in the off season for sure. Um, you know, my biggest thing is getting my cardio right, you know, getting mm-hmm. in shape. Uh, unfortunately, I've been able to get by off natural talent for some time now. It, it, it's time I put the work behind it. That, that started already. Uh, you know, as long as I'm able to stay on the field, I feel like I'll be on the field for as long as I can take it. Um, I remember back in the Dallas days, I believe it was the Tampa Bay game. Uh, I did pretty well. Marinelli had me in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and I remember I actually threw up on the field. And I'm sitting there tapping my helmet, you know. And, he, and I'll look at him, and he'll say, one, he'll give me the finger, one, one more, one more. And I'm like, all right, cool, one more. Well, that one more turned into 11 more and about two or three more sacks. So it's all on me. If I can get in shape and I'm able to dominate, I'll be on the field, and I, I, I'm prepared to be a starter. Now you talked about in the athletic piece that you want to be a leader and at times when people hear the word leadership it offends other people who think that there is a lack of leadership you got a quarterback in Derek Carr who is a leader he wears the C the captain on his chest there but when you look at this defense there's been turnover the last couple of years now Gus Bradley comes in to try to get more out of this defense so what do you think you can do in this locker room and in the Henderson facility to lead every day by example because you know all Gruden cares about is availability if you're not available you can't play if you're available he expect, expects you to play like a beast exactly and for me uh, I, I think it, just, it starts with getting in shape you know no one it's hard it's very hard to lead when you're not out there it's very hard to leave when you're not putting in that work. You have to earn it, you know, of course, socially with your teammates, but you also got to earn it on the field. You got to earn it with your work. You know, I was here last year, and, you know, I wanted to be more of a leader. However, I, I, I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel like I put in the work. You know what I'm saying? Kind of came in halfway through the season, played a little bit. Uh, it didn't feel right for me. So for me, I feel like the leadership's going to come as time goes on. It's inevitable. It is what it is. I am who I am. Once I get it saved, my actions will show it. Yeah, it sounds like it. Discuss Bradley defense because with COVID protocols and the ability to have OTAs and the lack of getting together typically like you're used to back from your college days and coming in as a pro, 
What do you sense he's going to bring differently here from the Legion of Boom in Seattle? He was a head coach in Jacksonville and a different type of scheme or level of practice and competition that might have been missing last year. I think the biggest thing is going to be attitude. I think the biggest thing is attitude. You know, we have all the physical tools we need to be great. We just got to put it all together. You know, we just got to put it together with teamwork and mindset. And I feel like he's going to bring that. <laughs> I, you know, I, I feel like I got a pretty good idea of what his mindset is. And I don't know, I'm, I'm just I'm ready to put it all together. You know, we, we do have a new staff. We're going to have some new players. I'm a new piece to the team. And I think it's a fresh start for everyone. We just got to all put it together and all put on that work and be on the same page. Everyone's physically able in the NFL. Who's mentally able, you know? David Irving is our guest. Absolutely. What is your strength as a down defensive lineman? Stopping the run, getting to the quarterback. What do you think you need to improve on? Hmm. That's a that's a that's a tough question because uh, I play every position across the defensive line. So that that's a strength within itself. You know, uh, Coach Manelli is able to put me uh, wherever need be for that week for the matchup, and not many players could do that. You have great sack leaders on the on the uh, outside of the line, defensive end, mm-hmm. linebacker position, and you have your rushers on the inside, nose guard, and three technique. Not many of those guys can interchange on both sides of the field at every position. So I feel like that's one thing I could bring. Uh, I know that I draw a lot of double teams and sometimes triple teams. That'll free up my teammates as well. Um, what I need to improve on though is a the biggest thing cardio i cannot only i can't you know i have to be able to produce more than two or three plays and get tired more than five or six plays and get tired you know because i'm not myself when i'm fatigued no one is so i definitely need to work on my cardio and um my pad level always got to work on my pad level i'm six eight you know it's, it's pretty tall for interior linemen so i'm already losing that battle so just keeping my pads down, and that again comes with conditioning. It's so easy to be low on the first two or three plays. It's not so easy to stay low on play 10 or 12 of the drive, you know. David Irving joins us. I'm loving this conversation. This is exactly, exactly what this defense needs, especially in the offseason. So you have Mad Max Crosby who is really a guy who's elevated. Where he was drafted, I think he's playing above his level, and he's loving the fact that he's finding success. And that was Cleveland Farrell, who was taken number four overall a couple of drafts ago after a national championship at Clemson. What do you see with him as an opportunity to mentor him and show him what you're going to do? Because he seems like that player who's right there, has all the upside, came from Clemson, played in the biggest games, but is trying to find a rhythm as an NFL down lineman, what could you do to help him become a better teammate and become a better player? I could help him with practice. When we're there every day, you know, I like I always teach. I've already uh, taught some of my teammates some pass rush moves that work well for me. But not just teach and help develop, you know, because, hey, you know, it, it's, it's easier for some of these uh, fast speed guys to come in and make the transition from college to NFL. You don't get much faster. You know what I'm saying? However, playing as a down lineman, you do get much stronger. You're not going against 19 and 20-year-olds anymore. You're going against 27-year-olds and 
30-year-olds. It is a big difference. It is a big gap. And that just comes with time and development and playing. But, you know, these are some great players we have, and I look at it as, as an opportunity to learn from them as well. You know, what I want to see what works for them. How could they help me as well? And I feel like when we all are on that same page and we're all helping each other, that's how you accelerate your growth. One of the things I love about your position and your attitude is you got to go up against Rodney Hudson. you got to go up against him in practice, but it isn't like the 70s, 80s, 90s, 80s before you were born where it's a war in practice. You guys are in shells a lot. You know, you're in shorts. You're not having those fierce practice days, but when you do have that contact with Colton Miller and Gabe Jackson and Rodney Hudson, these are guys who are going to make you work in practice. These are some of the best at their position. I think that matchup is going to be amazing for you. And actually, it is so. <laughs> funny story. My first day back with the uh, back in pads with the Raiders this uh, past season. First padded practice in years, right? Coach Marinelli put my put me put me in pod pod drills. Uh, that's a full pad day. You basically just take on a double team and you fight. That's pretty much what it is. Mm-hmm. First play, went in there. I got hit. Got turned around and blew off the ball. Second play, I split the double team and threw one of them on the floor. So, yeah, competition is very important. I I don't feel like you can progress without competition. It takes failure to win, if you ask me. David Irving is our guest. What was it like growing up in Compton? Tell me about your childhood. It was um, was pretty tough. Uh, You know, of course, we were, uh, you know, a family in poverty. Uh, You know how that goes. Um, my mom told me when I was seven, she said, we don't have money for college or anything like that. She said, so you're going to have to play sports and get a scholarship, or you're going to go to the Marines when you're 18, like your father. But one thing's for sure, you're going to be out of my house when you're 18. And she forced me in sports. I didn't want to play. <laughs> you know, I was a kid crying in practice every day. Uh, for the first week or so. And I wasn't very good for the first year. I was the guy uh, <laughs> getting ran over in practice. You know, we were still tough back then. We did Oklahoma drills openly. It was like a big show, you know. So my first year, I was, I was the kid who would get ran over, sit there pouting about it, and my mom was yelling at me, cussing me out. So it was a tough love. Um, definitely a conditional loving environment for me. Um, but you know what? I feel like uh, the way I was raised made me who I am. I wouldn't change a thing. All the hard times, all the bad times made me who I am and it's given me some resilience about myself. And, um, you know, I guess uh, we, we'd have to get into another segment to go in more yeah. depth no i'm fascinated i got one follow-up with that because we have some youngsters listening and obviously parents here on the raider flagship was there a point in your life where some friends were going the wrong way and your mom or someone told you you're not going down that road in compton you're going to go down this road and it kind of saved your life and changed your life is there a memory like that well yeah i i, I had friends that went down that road that path but to be honest with you, I was that kid going down that path. My mom worked very hard to keep me on the straight and narrow. Um, you know, I do appreciate her for that. I appreciate My mom was a great mom. She was. She, she dealt with a lot. Single mom raising three kids in that environment in those times. You know, 
things tend to happen, but um, she kept me straight. She did her part, and she she pushed me down the right path, and now I'm able to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm thrilled to talk to you as we wrap this up. So this is key. I mean, you know the fans are frustrated. They're frustrated. This was a team that should have won 10 games last year. There were a couple of dramatic, heartbreaking losses because, quite frankly, the defense couldn't get off the field or the defense gave up a big play. There were offensive slip-ups, too. So it seems like you're one of the guys now coming in here with not only you've proven yourself, but you want to prove yourself again and be a leader on this defense. I'm sensing, David, this is go time. It's go time in Vegas. It's go time in the Raider Nation. The alumni, the legends, the Hall of Famers are expecting big things out of you, and you're telling me you're going to deliver for everyone. I have to. I will. I am. Outstanding. Thanks for your time. Look forward to meeting you and seeing you soon when we get in the building. Thank you. Likewise. God bless. You too. God bless you. There he is, David Irving. He's made a lot of news. Uh, since Vic Tafer had a great column at The Athletic. If you got a chance to read that or if you haven't read it, and I asked, I asked Will Kiss, get me, get me this guy on the radio. This is what we do. Let, let's get to a new era of Raider football on the defensive side of the ball where guys like him are kicking ass again. Let's get to a side of the football on the defensive side of the football where everybody's accountable, everybody comes to work, everybody's available, and everybody has an attitude like that guy. Now, I can't predict what he's going to do or not, but there is enough tape on him and enough film to show that that guy is a badass out of Compton, California, who's looking at Dallas saying, screw America's team. I don't want to go anywhere else. He took a look at Detroit and other teams. He said, I'm Raider Nation. And these are the type of players back in the history of the Raiders that Al Davis was able to find and able to get them to go to a higher level at a motivation, skill set, size, and strength, and all of that. I enjoyed that interview because he kept bringing up getting in shape in his cardio. It seems like it's an issue to him. It seems like he understands that Rod Marinelli and Gus Bradley are going to kick his ass if he's not in shape. And he's chirping, and he's talking a lot, and he's telling Dallas, the hell with you, I'm with the Raiders, I'm going to be a leader, I'm going to show up in practice. He just talked about splitting the double team with Rodney Hudson and those guys and throwing them to the ground. So this guy has an attitude, and he's got the ability to back it up. Will he back it up? I hope he does. That's what we're trying to do here on the flagship station. We're trying to help the team win at the perspective of radio. That's all we can do. We can't go in there and make plays and draw plays. But that's the type of guy that if the Raiders hit it right with him on an incentive-laced contract where he gets 9, 10, 11, 8, 8 sacks, which opens up Mad Max and Cleland Farrell, then right here in my office I have a depth chart my own depth chart that I think is probably the same as yours. And I've been telling you for weeks here, there are players who have underperformed recently who are drafted, and they do not have a free pass to stay in this organization for multiple years if they don't play well. You bring in guys like him, and you get the other guys out. And you have him be accountable. And if he's not accountable in training camp, and if he's not accountable in the preseason, he won't be here. But he seems like a badass. And a guy now that at least we can take that interview and that conversation and say, yeah, you know, that could be a really unique situation where Mayock, Gruden, Gus Bradley, Marinelli have a guy that they count on and can pencil him in. 
So that's what I'm going to do. And if I'm wrong, you know where to find me. I'm accountable. You know where to find me. You might even find me in your DMs. But I'll tell you this much, that's the type of guy I can back on the radio. Accountable on the radio, showed up five minutes early, ready to go, and he is a bad man. And hopefully he's a starter. So in my depth chart that I have in front of me, we don't have to move Cleveland Farrell. We don't have to move David Irving. We don't have to move Mad Max. So that's three out of four. Go find another defensive tackle or edge rusher, please. Go find one in a trade. Go find someone who can play uh, alongside a guy like that or in a rotation. Then go get another linebacker and then tell the young guns in the secondary, no, 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 no. Okay, we don't care about your Instagram, your selfies, what you're doing. You're out of here if you don't play at a higher level, period. We're bringing in veterans to push you, and if the veterans are better than you at practice, and if they're more available, you're gone, and we're going with these guys. Because that's the type of guy, David Irving, who has upside. And he's had problems in the past, and he put it behind him, and he seems like he's ready to go. So, again, I appreciate Vic Tafer for writing that column. I knew a little bit about him, but the sense that I want to get this guy on the radio and hear what he has to say, and now I want reaction from the Raider Nation. What do you think? You just heard what he had to say. Let me know what you think on the flagship station, 702-365-9200. Are you looking for players like him for the future of the Las Vegas Raiders, or do you have to see it to believe it? Anybody can come on the radio and say, hey, I'm a badass, I'm tough, I'm going to make plays, I'm going to do all this. But I sense that he really means it, that he's at a turning point in his career. This is the moment in his career. He played for America's team in Dallas, and he flashed, a term you often hear. He popped, he flashed. But then the marijuana issues, what's happened in the past, he seems like he has that all under control. The league doesn't test the way they used to. Wink, wink, as I've always talked about, and he is going to conduct his life in a certain way, and that's none of my business what he does off the field. But can he be the first one in the building, the last one in the building, in shape, and leading a younger defense with the new head coach where we don't have to worry about the guy? You just say, yeah, uh, David Irving's going to play a lot of plays. When he's tired, he's going to come out of the game. The Raiders have depth and young players behind him or another veteran, and they're going to get rolling. So I'm excited about that. I hope you am too. I hope you are too, and you have something to say about David Irving. What are your expectations of the gentleman we just had on the air on the flagship station, 702-365-9200? As you can tell, I'm standing up in my office. I'm pretty excited. I'm excited to talk to a guy like that. I might have to have him over to the house, the backyard brick here in Summerlin, and entertain the guy because I like him. Just like I like Mad Max and saw him coming really early in his career. And now we're calling Cleland Farrell to be that guy taking number four overall to no longer flash, no longer pop, become a legitimate high-end first-round pick with Pro Bowl upside. That's why he was drafted. Abram, Arnett, Farrell were drafted to be Pro Bowl talents at the highest level. And let's see if the Raider Nation can get that out of them. 702-365-9200 as we begin the show. A couple other things. I want to hit on as we begin the Russell Wilson story now that Russell Wilson has chosen the Raiders as one of his four destinations if he gets traded. That's a true story. The Seahawks aren't trading him. They don't seem to be interested in trading him. But if he does get traded, 
this is the town where his wife would like to go. I've told you this weeks ago, this is a wife flexing. That's all this is. This is Russell Wilson's wife, uh, Sierra flexing, going, let's get out of here. The Seattle thing, you won a Super Bowl, you're in another one, we've done everything here. You can't, you can't get an MVP vote. You can't even get an MVP vote. Let's get out of here. Let's get a pod in front of the mansion and move somewhere else. We'll either go to Chicago, New Orleans, New York, or the Raiders. So once again, Derek Carr's got to deal with this crap. And we know in the past he's cared about it because he's talked about it. His name's been on the trade block from certain members of the media for a number of years. And now today, the Raiders are trending because some people believe Russell Wilson will be a Raider because if they can pull it off, you know, it makes sense. The interesting part of this story is that Russell Wilson is no doubt better than Derek Carr. He is. It's obvious. There's not many quarterbacks better than Derek Carr. They consist of Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. You go down the list of the great players that you've seen in this league. It's now Patrick Mahomes. Then you'd look at Deshaun Watson, who's done well, but you know Derek's done a lot of good things Deshaun Watson's doing. Lamar Jackson has a skill set that we've never seen before in this league. And then you get to Russell Wilson, and you go, whoa. You know, anybody who trades for Russell Wilson is going to be pretty happy. You get a quarterback in the absolute prime of his career with early success and someone that could be really good in this league for 10 years, and he is a franchise quarterback already to begin. So that's what's going to happen now. I don't have a lot of depth on this. I talked to my good friend up in Seattle, who's the best sports talk radio host up there, and basically this is all fluff to a lot of people in Seattle that they'll figure it out. Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson will sit down and figure it out. Now, the good news for Seattle is they could probably sit down and figure this out. The bad news with Houston is that Deshaun Watson wants out of Houston, so they won't be able to fix that. They're not going to be able to fix it. Deshaun Watson doesn't want to play there anymore. Russell Wilson probably wants out of Seattle, but that could be just some space he's in right now that could change If Pete Carroll sits him down and says, we're going to give you much more authority, you're going to have more control over the offense, we're going to bring you in on more meetings that you weren't involved with. The new column today, out today last night on Russell Wilson, is a real big one because it shows that Russell Wilson is really unhappy with the way they're not giving him the respect that he deserves within that organization. They're giving it to him with the money. He's he's getting paid an enormous amount of money, but Pete Carroll took the ball away from him took the ball away from him, and went back to the running game. After two games last year where Russell Wilson played poorly, turned it over seven times in two games, and Pete Carroll said, enough of this. Absolutely enough of this. Let's get back to running the football and trying to find a way to move the ball on the ground, and it got him to the playoffs. That's what pissed him off. Also in the column in The Athletic, Russell Wilson won the NFL you know, man of the year. He shows up at the Super Bowl. He sits down right next to Roger Goodell and his wife and Sierra, Russell's wife, for the Super Bowl, and he was fuming. He was fuming because he watched Tom Brady play in that game and not get touched. And Russell Wilson throughout the Super Bowl is texting his team going, this is how it is. This is the way he wants it. So Russell Wilson wants out of Seattle for two reasons, I believe. Number one, he doesn't have a good enough offensive line to win a championship. And number two, I think his wife wants to flex and get out of there. 
I don't think Sierra's goal in life is to live in the Pacific Northwest in a suburb of Seattle when she could live in Las Vegas, New York City, or Miami. Happy wife, happy life. Doesn't seem like this multimillionaire, Russell Wilson, is really happy right now with what's happening with him in Seattle. That's the monologue brought to you by the Henderson Hyundai Superstore, Boulder Highway in Henderson. They have the super deals you're looking for. Frank and his team will get you in a new vehicle, a pre-owned vehicle, a luxury vehicle, whatever you want. They have it there for you. Thanks to David Irving for joining us and kicking off the show. Really enjoyed that conversation. Would enjoy it more if we had more reaction from Raider fans who are as passionate as me to get the defense going. So Raider Nation, what do you think of him? Is he someone you want to build around? Do you want to see it first, or do you believe what he had to say about what, what's on the line for him? He seems highly motivated on a big day today. Let's get this going. This is Raider Nation Radio. Drew Locke back into the gun. Gordon, the running back. Locke's going to try to throw for it. Fires left. Got it. Incomplete. And it is dropped that time by Cleveland. And very good coverage by LaMarcus Joyner. LaMarcus Joyner, one of the players today of the 32 that Pro Football Focus says the Raiders, the one for the Raiders that the Raiders need to walk from and move on because of his ability and the fact that they got to get under the cap. Welcome back. We've been talking about your Build Your Bar program with one of my favorite restaurants in town, Sparrow and Wolf, courtesy of Remy Quantro. Their program is amazing. This restaurant, Sparrow and Wolf, my wife go to and I go to about once a month. It's fantastic, and we're partnering with them because they have these bar kits, and these bar kits are unbelievable. You can build your own bar through Sparrow and Wolf. And you'll get new craft cocktail kits that feature some of our favorite house-made mixers. And I've been doing this with them for a while. And all of my friends and everybody who's involved with this love this program. Kits are $75 or $199 for all three months. You can go to SparrowAndWolfLV.com. Go to the website and see what we're doing. It's Sparrow and Wolf, a brilliant restaurant here in town. And their bar kit has been fantastic. Thanks a lot to Remy Martin as they team up for excellence. All right, so we just talked to David Irving, who came on, and we were excited to talk to him about the intensity that he's planning on bringing here. And I like everything about him. He has fire and desire to lead. He sounds like he's got the it factor that the defense has lacked. And it's exciting to hear someone on that side of the ball or even hint at taking on that role. So I like him. I like what he can do. But the fact is, he's got a contract. Can he make the team? Can he stick with the team? Yeah, there's no doubt that Gruden and Mayock and Rod Marinelli and Gus Bradley are counting on him to be an impact player. Now, a lot of people are wondering around the league what's going to happen with Marcus Mariota. Will Mariota be here long-term as the backup for Derek Carr, or is there an opportunity for the Raiders to get some value out of him with a trade. Uh, they've been talking about him all week on NFL Network. Here's Ian Rappaport. Yeah, this is an interesting one because a couple of days ago, it really seemed like Marcus Mariota was going to be on the move. I know teams were interested, were calling the Las Vegas Raiders about potentially acquiring Marcus Mariota. And things did get down the line a little bit. And there is significant interest 
in teams trying to get Marcus Mariota to come in and play quarterback for them. But there is an issue. Take a look at his contract. He's due a little more than $10 million this year. If he's going to be a bridge starter, which would be the role he'd come in and play, that's not bad. That's actually not the issue. The issue is based on incentives. If he is the starter and ends up playing the entire season, he can make an additional $12 million, so more than $20 million for Marcus Mariota. Teams, as of right now, don't seem to think that's something that would be, that would be worth it, especially when you consider they'd also give up a draft pick to trade from. That trademark has now dried up significantly, leading to the question, could Mariota be released and then end up picking his own team and getting some more guaranteed money in the process? That might work out better for him and potentially better for the Raiders than anything else. Yeah, hear what he said at the end, and potentially that could work out, him being released well for the Raiders. Again, I think he is the ultimate luxury. I've said this. I've said it all week. I'll say it again, that if you have Derek Carr, who's been relatively healthy since the injury, the broken ankle leg in 2016, when we were all there in Oakland, those who were there and remember that on Christmas Eve, I was there with my young son as we walked out of the Oakland Coliseum and the Raiders won, and the building was dead silent. I'm talking, and I go to a lot of sporting events. I've been at sporting events, Super Bowls, Final Fours. When a team loses, there's always positive noise from the team who won. It was one of the most bizarre days I ever had. Christmas Eve with my son, going to race on BART to try to catch one of the last flights out of Oakland after Carr broke his leg, came off the field, and kind of knew what was happening with trainers there getting taxes, knew how bad it was. And then walking over the bridge to BART, which was dead silence. I've never experienced that in Oakland in 20-plus years. Got on air BART, got to the airport, walked through the airport. And if you remember, many people do when you leave Oakland after a game, every gate is packed with Raider fans going to Ontario, San Diego, Arizona, Burbank, Los Angeles, flight after flight after flight. And the airport was an exact, it was, a, it was was a morgue. It was a morgue. No one smiling, no one happy, everybody with their head down. Carr suffered that injury. Since then, Carr's been healthy, even after the groin injury. At the end of this last season, he popped up ready to play again. And if he didn't play in that final game, and Mariota did, and the Raiders were able to win that game, would it have increased Mariota's stock even more? Absolutely. But it's Derek's team, and Derek wanted to come back. And he got on the field and played well. And the Raiders ended the season on that note. And now they're trying to either move Mariota, keep him as a backup, or wait for the phone to ring. And according to Ian Rappaport, it's dried up. I doubt it's dried up. I still think Bill Belichick wants Marcus Mariota more than any other coach out there. 702-365-9200. When we come back, a great, great friend. Rich Morata was a longtime Raiders broadcaster with Bill King broadcast over 200 games for the Raiders and he's the founder of the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame we met for coffee yesterday he gave me some cool Raider gifts and I said forget about it let's just get you on the radio and talk about this stuff so Rich Murata well-known figure here in Vegas Reno great radio host he'll join us next right here on Raider Nation Radio
out of the end zone, the very back of it. A beautiful booming kick. Drives Renfro back to the Raiders, 40. Upfield, 40. Midfield. Now he cuts to the right. Another penalty flag on the return. 30, 25, 20. And he's going to be into the end zone. Touchdown, but I'm afraid it's coming back. Raider Nation Radio, Brett Musburger on the call. Part of the great broadcast team with Lincoln Kennedy. And my next guest, a longtime Raiders broadcaster, Emmy Award winning and Hall of Fame sportscaster and the founder of the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame, my good friend, Rich Murata. Rich, nice to see you yesterday. Thanks for giving me Raiders gifts from your treasure trove. How are you, buddy? I'm fine, JT. Thanks very much. You know, it was interesting me just hearing uh, Brent Musburger there. You know, uh, I got a chance to work just a little bit with Brent a long time ago in uh, in uh, Los Angeles when he was with the CBS there, and I was on KNX Radio there in Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, Brent, although he's associated truly with the football uh, the most, I think, and with doing live events, people rarely think of him, but he did some boxing. Yeah. And, uh, in fact, he did the blow-by-blow, and I think it was on CBS, he did the blow-by-blow call of Muhammad Ali losing the title to Leon Spinks right here in Las Vegas. And if you go on YouTube or whatever, you can, you can hear that. You can hear his call, which was a tremendous call, a tremendous call that he uh, did that night. And of course we just lost Leon Spinks uh, a couple of weeks ago. He passed away and, you know, a beloved guy here in Las Vegas, but it was interesting to hear Brent uh, uh, there at the top and it kind of jogged my memory because I'm wearing my Leon Spinks shirt here today. I love it, and I saw that when he passed away. I saw that call, too, by Brent. Hey, let's go back to your career and Al Davis. Tell everybody about the meeting with Al Davis before he decided you would be a color analyst on the broadcast. What was that like? Well, that was back in uh, 1982, actually, and the Raiders were affecting their move from Oakland to Los Angeles, and we're going to be on KNX Radio there in Los Angeles. And uh, I was being... uh, uh, promoted by the radio station there as a good uh, as a as a possible uh, uh, member of the broadcast team to be the sidekick of Bill King at the time, and of course Al had to uh, sign off on such a thing. And I had done a, a couple of years of football in Colorado, calling Air Force Academy football there, but had been mostly known for my hockey broadcast with the L.A. Kings in Los Angeles, but. Nonetheless, they flew me up to Santa Rosa at the training camp. They had a restaurant right there at the training training camp. I went in and uh, to meet with Al Davis. My first meeting with Al Davis, and he he uh, he was there and he was sitting on his own. They had a table reserved for Al there all the time, and he was doodling plays. He was doing plays on the napkins uh, from there in the restaurant. And he said, yeah, sit down. And, and I sat down, and he hardly looked up. He kept doodling plays when he was asking me about my background, etc. But most of all, he wanted to know what I knew about the Raiders. And he asked me, you know, do you know our history? Have you read the book Supa? Which was a, a book about the Raiders' uh, Super Bowl triumphs to that point and the seasons in, in, their, in their history. And fortunately, I had and was able to talk to him. And I, I got a... I got a real earful there about the way that he felt, the way that he felt that it was a ruthless competition between teams, uh, you know, at that level in the National Football League. So my first meeting with Al Davis was a little bit uh, overwhelming because I hadn't heard basically, uh, JT, anyone talk like that before, you know. Um, And uh, he was, I mean, he was intense right off the bat. And it was all about, 
the Raiders. Rich Murata is our guest. An incredible story. So tell our audience approximately how many broadcast games you worked and what were some of the highlights of your career being in the booth with Bill King and being on those broadcasts. Well, you know, with, working with Bill King was astonishing because I think he's one of the greatest broadcasters who ever lived. Uh, and and uh, and the funny thing is, you know, he, he put in, I think, 27 years in football, uh, you know, with the Raiders, and he did uh, many years of the uh, of uh, uh, basketball with the uh, Warriors, and he did the Oakland A's baseball. He was a complete and eccentric kind of individual, uh, but he was so smart, and he had such an amazing uh, reputation when I when I came to the Raiders that, you know, I prepared so thoroughly, like, you know, I, I, JT, I, I was actually preparing out of fear for wanting to look silly next to Bill King because I, I and everybody had such a high regard uh, for him. But Bill and I worked from uh, 82 through the 93 season um, uh, doing Raider football. And, of course, that meant the, the uh, Super Bowl season and, uh, in uh, 1984. And I was just uh, on Twitter today talking with somebody about the broadcasting that, uh, on that game. And, uh, you know, it was the kind of thing that, that Bill and I would do. But, I, you know, that game was so special to me when I got a chance to do that Raiders Super Bowl. that I thought, you know, this might be the only Super Bowl I ever broadcast. Who knows? I hope not. I hope I do several with the Raiders, but who knows? So I did that, uh, that game, and I broadcast in a tuxedo. And I, I showed up in his wow. tuxedo, and Bill just burst out laughing when I did when I came into the booth and joined him in there. And Bill broadcast, as he did so many times, he would take his pants off and broadcast in his shorts <laughs> and, a, and a comfortable shirt. So it was that Bill would always do things like that. He would broadcast many a game in his shorts, eat popcorn as he went, but always surprise you with uh, the, the beautiful phrasing and the, his preparation that he had for, for every game. He's a wonderful guy. I, I would have to say he's probably the most um, memorable or at least one of the most memorable people that I've ever met in my entire life. He was uh, into the arts in the Bay Area, and he was into Russian history. And we had so many interesting talks when we would broad when we would fly uh, JT coast to coast on those long trips on the planes. And you know, we would talk, and he we wouldn't talk about football. We would talk about everything it seemed like but football, because Bill was that brilliant, and I just love listening to him in so many different areas. Rich Murata is our guest, legendary broadcaster, also from KFI in Los Angeles. So, Rich, you really know the history of Oakland to Los Angeles, back to Oakland. And now with your footprint and all the people you know in Vegas, what do you think about this move for the Raider Nation? You live up in Reno. I just saw you here in Vegas yesterday. What do you think is here for Vegas and for the Raiders going forward in the future of their success? Well, I think it's going to be fantastic. I think it was the right move. To tell you the truth, I was actually hoping when they were, you know, when there was a lot of talk, no one knew where the Chargers were going to go, where the Raiders might end up, that the Raiders might go back to Los Angeles because, you know, they, they had such a, a, an incredible fan base and still do in, uh, in Los Angeles. But, you know, in retrospect now, JT, I really think it was the right move to go to uh, Las Vegas. They've got that beautiful stadium, and when they get the fans, you know, this fan base in Las Vegas is pretty incredible when they have their home team. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, when they, when they fill Allegiant Stadium with the, with the fans for the Raiders, it is going to be in a pretty incredible uh, situation, judging as I do from the, uh, 
from the Vegas Golden Knights and 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 the way that uh, you know the, the the people here care about them and love them and I mean they really do. It's just and I think that same thing is going to happen with the Raiders and I want to see them have um, uh, a great success and I think they I think they will. And you know I listened to your opening interview today with David Irving. You know if that guy's a Raider right off the bat, I was listening to him. Just a great attitude, JT. That was just perfect. And uh, I think a guy like that coming here, you know, I can just see him being adopted by the community here in Las Vegas. And I think the Raiders are headed for, you know, really, really big things here in Las Vegas. I wanted to ask you a question, though, because Mm -hmm. of, you know, you had Irving on, and I've got to thinking about J.J. Watt, and I don't know if the Raiders are going to make a run at him. But uh, and and to see if that that might happen. But it brought me back memories of when I first joined the Raiders and in those early 80s and actually from the 70s on the way the Raiders would take guys who might be on the downward trend. And I think some people feel that about J.J. Watt. And but they were able to revitalize them. And I think back to guys like Ted Hendricks, uh, Lyle Alzado, uh, who was considered through washed up. Uh, to a lesser extent, John Matuzak, the way they yeah, were him, but most famously Jim Plunkett, who didn't even play for a couple of seasons. I mean, those guys were revitalized by the Raiders by being Raiders and getting into that culture and everything. And I was just wondering, I don't know if the Raiders are going to make a move for J.J. Watt, but I think they could do the same kind of thing if they did uh, with I him agree. and bring him right back to the top. I agree. I'd, I'd just like to see the presentation. I'd like to know that he's presented this opportunity, if he takes it or not. We're wrapping it up with Rich Murata. Rich, I've said this to you as a friend. We've been friends a long time. That you know, I grew up going as a kid one time to Cooperstown to the Baseball Hall of Fame. I've been going back right. a lot, fortunately, th- through the Raiders to Canton, Ohio, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But when you decided to start the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame, I've never seen anything like it. You decided to go all in with these massive classes of legendary boxers because it was accurate. They fought in Nevada. They fought in Las Vegas. And if you said if they fought here and they were iconic, they could be a part of the Hall of Fame. Now, I know COVID's put a lot of things on hold and where you showcase all this great memorabilia. But tell us where the Hall of Fame is and how we can help get this thing rolling again because I think it's one of the best statewide Hall of Fames in the country. Well, of course, like a, a lot of uh, like a lot of businesses and sports businesses, et cetera, we are waiting the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame for the pandemic uh, the, to, if even that's not over completely, be uh, in control. Because I think uh, I think we're headed in that direction right now. We have not yet postponed this year's induction. We had two last year, and we had a great class, uh, uh, JT, with the you know, I mean, the usual glamour class with people like Andre Ward. I remember you talking to Andre when he. When he first we first announced the, his induction into the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame, but you know James lights out Tony and Fernando Vargas and Mark Two Sharp Johnson and Miguel Cotto and Danny Little Red Lopez and Jose Luis Castillo, all these people, and so they are on hold waiting for their induction. We would love to do it uh, this year if we can. We may run out of time, and then we'll have to make a decision on that. And we also had to, uh, uh, you know, and and uh, either hold it virtually or hold it. Um, hold it over again until next year or later in the year. And as far as our museum goes, we had it going and and it was up and running. And then the, the pandemic hit. And like so many businesses, we had to shutter our business. And we've got to, you know, uh, uh, all of our wonderful memorabilia and artifacts and the whole history of boxing in Nevada 
uh, in storage right now, and we're waiting for a place. We're you know we do to relocate that, and when we do, you're gonna le- we're gonna let everybody know, and uh, we want everybody please to come out and be a part of uh, the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame again. Thank you, Rich. I enjoyed seeing you yesterday, and I hope to see a lot Thank more you. here in Vegas. You play a big role in the history of the Raiders as a broadcaster, and with Brent Musburger, Lincoln Kennedy, you uh, blazed the trail before them in the booth with Bill King. Uh, good to talk to you. I'll see you real soon, and thanks for uh, connecting with me yesterday. Yes, thanks so much, JT. Thanks for having me on, and I just want to shout out congratulations to Tom Flores on the Hall of Fame because He's a wonderful coach, and it was well-deserved and overdue, actually. And I was so delighted to see that happen for him. Thank you, Rich. Thank you very much. There he is, Rich Murata. Wow, what a class act. The founder of the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame, over 200 Raider broadcasts, 200 Raider broadcasts, a lot of them in the 80s and the years in Los Angeles, and really a good friend and a class act. That was a hell of an hour of radio. I had nothing to do with it. Thanks to Rich Murata and David Irving who came in. Hopefully we hear from you my last hour of the week as I get on a plane with my son and we go on a Arizona college tour. Me and my boy, my 17-year-old. I got to pack. I got to get out of here and I got to catch a flight. And I've always dreamed of doing this, taking my sons, did my first son, and now my second son. We're going to go see some colleges in Arizona, kick the tires on some colleges, but we got an hour to go on Raider Nation Radio. Raider Nation Radio.